What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. All right. Well, hey, good morning. Stay standing, stay standing. Now we have to go up and down. Uh, good to have you. Come on, 1130, 11? 11, 11. I don't even know the service times. It's all right. Man, today's been a powerful day. God's just been moving, and I'm excited for what he's doing today. And to all the dads, happy Father's Day. We love you. So grateful for you. Um, all the donuts today, they, the calories don't count. Come on now. Yeah, so eat as many as you like. And then um, let's do this real quick before we move on. Can we just welcome everyone watching online this morning? Come on. Thank you for joining us. No, you couldn't be here in the room, but so grateful to have you. And let's just do this. We're going to jump right into the message. I got something I feel excited to share. Um, I think it's for the house today. It's for us. And so we're just going to go right in. We're going to go to the book of Luke chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. The book of Luke chapter 4, verse 17 to 21. 17 to 21. And we're going to read it, and we're going to jump right in. It says this. It says, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty, liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the men of this house, for the dads. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. It's already, you've already been moving in such an amazing way. So I just pray I would get out of the way and you'd continue to do what you want to do. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Have a seat. Have a seat. All right. Good stuff. So we've been on our series entitled Holy Ghost. It's been a powerful couple months. We're still going to be doing it for the next few weeks. We're going to be on this Holy Ghost series till the end of July. And I'm excited because I believe every single week we are just deepening our understanding of the Holy Spirit. Also, I think it's amazing that we can spend, I believe, three and a half, four months on one single topic. That's how much we can learn about the Holy Spirit in Scripture today. Isn't that so cool? Right? Like the word of God is just so vast. It's so large. Like you could just dive into it like an ocean and never get to the bottom. And so the Holy Spirit series has just been incredible. And so what we're going to do for the next few weeks, um, really for the next four or five weeks, as we continue this Holy Ghost series, is we're going to be talking about the different types of the Holy Spirit. The expressions symbolically that are given in scripture on who the Holy Spirit is. Does that make sense? So we're going to talk through different types of who he is. And today we're going to start it off by talking about how he, the Holy Spirit, is like oil. And so if you're taking, if you're taking notes for the message, the conversation today, we're just talking about the oil of the Holy Ghost. And you read this in the book of Luke. You read this in the book of Luke, sorry, the book of Luke, which you find Jesus talking about before he starts his ministry, how he has been anointed. Everybody say anointed anointed by the Holy Spirit to do what God has called him to do. And so let's talk about the anointing today. And I don't know if you grew up in church. 
I don't know if you grew up as a Christian. For some of you, you know what this is, but for some of us, we don't know. And I think this is a very Christianized, it's a very stained glass type of word, right? The idea of the anointing and what is the anointing. I think if you grew up in old school, like revival church, like how I grew up, you think of like the anointing oil, people laying hands on people, revival services going like six hours, no one goes home, everyone's hungry. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, like five people. Okay, that's fine. So I think there is a misconception about the anointing in some ways. I think we could do a whole series just on this topic. But for today, we're going to talk about how the anointing is connected to the Holy Spirit. And why it is important to discuss it and why it matters to us in our lives today. So you find in the book of Luke chapter 4, Jesus, this was Jesus. He just got done with being tempted in the wilderness by the devil. We just talked about that a few weeks ago, remember? If you missed that message, go to the YouTube channel. Some good stuff in there. Just got done being tempted. The Bible says he ends up going to the city and he's about to teach in the synagogue, kind of like how we're doing in church on a Sunday. And so he goes into this synagogue, which is like this area, kind of a temple area where people would gather and they would uh, practice their Judaism. That was the main religion at the time during the time of Jesus, right? The Jewish people. And they're practicing their Jewish traditions and their Jewish church services. And the Bible says that Jesus, right, in Luke chapter 4, he goes and he opens up the scroll of Isaiah. Because how many know they didn't have books back then, right? They didn't have Bibles. They definitely didn't have iPhones. I don't know how they lived. Let's just be honest, right? So that's such a millennial thing to say. Like we didn't have iPhones like 20 years ago. <laughs> Let's just be honest. So he opens up the book of Isaiah. And the Bible says in Isaiah, Isaiah prophesies that there will be someone who the Spirit of the Lord will come upon them. And that power, that anointing will bring good news to the poor, recover sight to the blind, and give freedom and liberty to those who are captives and oppressed. Okay? That's the gospel. This is what the Bible says. Jesus opens that scroll and says, this prophecy that was prophesied six, seven hundred years before Jesus was born in the book of Isaiah has now been fulfilled today. What is Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, I'm the one who is anointed. And here's what Bible scholars actually talk about. I'm going to give you a little bit of Bible. I know I normally do that first service, but I'm going to do a second service, okay? I'm going to give you a little bit more uh, in-depth Bible. The Bible, uh, most scholars believe that in every Jewish synagogue at the time of during Jesus' life, there would always be a seat. For example, like let's just say here, there would be a seat on stage as a seat of honor. And what it was for is that they believed that one day that seat would be reserved for the Messiah who would be the King of Israel. What most scholars believe is that this line where it says, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. It's not because what he said, but when that line before where it says that he gave it back to the attendant and sat down, Jesus sat on the seat of the Messiah. Right? Like you ever have someone go to a party and they like get into things they're not supposed to? Or like you ever have a birthday party, you're hanging out and you find like little kids in the master bedroom. And you're like, what are you guys doing in here? That's not allowed. I don't know. I grew up Hispanic. You're not allowed in the master bedroom. You're allowed in every other bedroom, but you're not allowed in the master bedroom, right? And like you have the little kid, like you're not supposed to be in there. Jesus does this, essentially. Jesus goes from reading the scroll, saying what you just heard right now, it is fulfilled in your time. I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. Okay? And he goes, and he sits down at the seat of honor. 
And everyone's like, what did that, what is that dude doing? Here's the interesting thing. What I want to focus on today is the word Messiah. The word actually means anointed one, right? Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the anointed one. And part of what we need to understand is that Jesus does what he does on the earth, not just because he's God, but he is also the anointed one of God by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, because now we have been saved and redeemed with Jesus through the cross and the resurrection, we too can now experience the same anointing as Jesus did in Luke chapter 4. That scripture is not just a prophecy fulfilled in 30 AD, but it's a continual prophecy fulfilled by the church who is anointed by God. And so let me talk about what the anointing actually is. So if you read it in Greek and Hebrew, let me just break it down in just a little bit of definitions. Anointing or anointed means through the idea of contact, to smear or rub oil. That's the Greek definition in Luke. The Hebrew definition, which would be in the book of Isaiah, would be to smear, to consecrate, to paint. So what does that mean? What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit has smeared upon him, has painted him, and has rubbed on him like oil. Now he has been completely anointed. He has been through contact, touched by God. Therefore, there is now power on his life to do what God has called him to do. Why does that matter to you and I today, right? It's like, well, we're talking about Jesus and this topic of oil. And how many know, like, when you think of oil, like, I don't know about you, but I immediately think of, like, essential oils, and I think of, like, the people who sell them, you know what I'm saying, and all the oil stuff. Like, no, no, no. It's this idea, why it matters to us spiritually, is that God, when you begin to spend time with Jesus, when you begin to prioritize the presence of God, when you begin to spend time with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is a part of each and every day of your life, you cannot but help to experience the Holy Spirit as one that's oil that begins to cover you, anoint you, smear you, and paint on you so now you are different than who you used to be. The oil or the anointing is the power and presence of God that is in our life. That's why it matters. I would would be lying to you if I didn't think of fathers today as I thought of this message. And if I could be honest with you, I have learned that more than my kids need a dad that provides for them and more than my kids need a dad that just takes care of them. I I, I am convicted in this that my kids need a father who's anointed. What does anointing mean? It means I have come in contact with the Holy Ghost. See, here's the deal too. I can't give you oil. Only Holy Spirit can I can't anoint you. Only Holy Spirit can. I can't begin to give you something only God can. And and I think that's so important, especially in talking about our relationship with Jesus, especially in talking about our dynamic with God and growing as we're followers of Jesus and understanding a level of deeper uh, maturity and depth of who the Holy Spirit is, is that you need to learn this family. I need to learn this. We need to be reminded of this, that there are just some things only God can do. And there are some things you can only get from Jesus. And there are some things that you will search. I'm telling you right now, you will search the whole world and you will never find it. There is a hole in your heart that only God can fill. There is only some things that only Jesus can do in our life. The anointing is one of them. And friends, the anointing is powerful. If you ever came into a service and ever felt the presence of God, 
You ever come into a church experience and, you know, the preacher's preaching and you just feel it's, it's different. It's not just good words. Something is shifting. God's moving. You ever talk to a friend and as they're talking, it's like their words are like coming to life. And you're just like, man, what is happening? Friends, that is not, listen, that is not gifting. That is anointing. And now more than ever before, I believe the church needs to be anointed. The church needs to be anointed. We, as people who follow Jesus, need to be smeared from heaven. We need God to get us, right? I just, I just think of someone, again, with those essential oils, rubbing them on themselves, right? Maybe they smell like mint or something. I don't know. And, and, and rubbing it on their hands or rubbing it on their body. And, and it's the smearing of God. It's the smearing of God that begins to happen on an individual's life when we come in contact. We can't help but not be different, sound different, look different. There is something that begins to take place. And so why? Why is the anointing so important? Why does the anointing matter? Well, I got some reasons for you. Let me just kind of break it down a little bit scripturally. I'm going to break it down connected to the book of Luke. Ready? Number one, why the anointing? Number one, it releases prisoners of sin. The Bible says that he has anointed me. Everybody say anointed. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Right? Another version, right, in, in, in the New King James Version, he describes it as, he has anointed me to release prisoners. I want you to know that the anointing breaks the bondage of sin on your life. The anointing is what begins to open the prison cells of sin that you have locked yourself into. I want you to understand that you cannot save yourself from sin. Only Jesus can. Only the Holy Ghost can. And so when you begin to experience the Holy Spirit, the anointed one, the presence of God, and when it begins to break out and release in your life, sin begins to break. I have learned... More than it is about me stopping the thing I'm not supposed to do, it's about hanging out with the Holy Spirit who will give me the grace to stop doing the thing I'm supposed to do. That's me personally. Right? That's what we do. Right? And we talked about this a little bit last week when we were talking about fruit. It's like if I could just focus on not doing the thing and not doing the thing and not doing the thing. And what happens is you put so much attention on the negative. You put so much attention on the sin. You put so much attention on the sexual morality. You put so much attention on the addiction. You put so much attention on the problem. You start, your eyes are so focused on the wrong that you got to get your eyes focused on him. And when your eyes are focused on Jesus, when you begin to allow the presence of God to rub off on you, the presence of God to anoint you, the presence of the Holy Ghost to begin to come like oil, right? And you got to think of that imagery of someone having oil on their hands and smearing it and something begins to break off your life. You begin to be released from the prison cell that you let yourself into with sin. Sin is a very real thing. And I want you to know that sin will kill you from the inside out. But there's hope. And the hope is Jesus. That he has all the authority and all the power to break any sin on your life. The anointing of God break sin, not gifts. No pastor has ever broken sin off someone's life. Never. We've helped. We've encouraged you, right? You've had some people give you a little pow-pow, but they've never broken it. Only the anointing of Jesus can release the prison cell of sin. Number two, it severs generational bondage. I was just talking about this this morning. We had a, we had a family. And I, and I love like Father's Day and Mother's Day. And here at Thrive, we're really big on family. It's one of our major things, right? Spiritual family, a family as a whole. I had a family of one of our members who's been here a while. 
His name's Anthony Cook and his wife, Maria. Some of you might know him. Um, and he has two boys, uh, Mike and Lucas. And uh, man, God's just been doing something in Mike and Lucas's life. It's been amazing. And, and let me tell you, it is amazing because I was their youth pastor and it was a little rough. I'm just gonna be honest. Like some of your kids, let's be real. They're not the easiest kids to pastor. But out of the last couple of years, God's just gotten them, right? Pastor Matt, it's been an incredible thing. And um, Anthony's dad is a pastor. His name's Pastor Jerry. He's the pastor in Oakland for a long time at a big church out there. And uh, so he came today to visit us. And uh, first service, off the hook. Some of y'all, you need to wake up earlier and get here for a service because sometimes it's just different. And um, presence of God hit the room. I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, we, we, didn't, we didn't stop worship. We worshiped for like 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Just hit the room. And, and in the corner, as I'm over there, because normally that's like my little corner I hang out in before I come and preach and get up on stage. Here I see Pastor Jerry Cook, Anthony Cook, and Mike and Lucas. And they're on their face in front right here, bawling their eyes out because the presence of God hit the room. And family, I just got so stirred in my heart. That's what the anointing does. Pastor Jerry, grandpa, experienced the anointing so that way his grandkids wouldn't deal with the bondage that he had to break in Jesus' name. I want you to understand this. It says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That, my friends, is a term in Jewish culture known as jubilee. And what jubilee was is every 50 years, everyone that was in debt would be forgiven of their debt. I don't know about you, but that sounds real good. Like Joe Biden and the government's trying to release student debt, Jesus already had it together with jubilee. You know what I'm saying? Like imagine all your car debt, every debt, anyone that was in debt, every 50 years, gone. We need that form of government. And actually, when you begin to read about slavery in scripture, right, we, we're, we're coming into a weekend where, you know, we, there's, there's individuals and understand celebrating the brokenness of slavery that uh, happened in the 1800s and, right, the celebration of Juneteenth and all those things. That was a real thing in the United States. In the, in the, in the Bible, it talks about slavery as well. But we have to understand the way slavery would work is people would sell themselves into slavery because they couldn't pay debt. So they would sell themselves to a master. But every 50 years, the master had to let that person and their family go because that's what Jesus said. So what is Jesus saying? I am proclaiming liberty. I am proclaiming the year of the Lord's flavor. I'm proclaiming jubilee. I'm proclaiming this moment that what once was indebted to you, once you were a slave, and it might not even have been your fault. It might have been something your father got into. It might have been something your grandfather got into. But today you're set free. No longer are you a slave, but you're a son. And that there's freedom in Jesus. You know what the anointing does? It breaks generational curses. You know what the anointing does? It breaks the bondage of sin that your granddad had and your mom had and your grandmother had. It breaks generational signs of witchcraft in your life. It breaks the sin that you've dealt with, the insecurity your parents dealt with, the sexual immorality that you've had in generations. And you know what it begins to do? You begin to get in the anointing and the presence of God. Your kids won't deal with the things you dealt with. I'm, I'm staring at the Cook family this morning. And I didn't know they were going to show up. It wasn't like part of the sermon, okay? Like it wasn't planned. I'm like, hey, you got to show up. Bring grandpa. It's going to be dope. I'm like, that's the end game right there for me, man. The end game for me is not my kid and grandkid preaching with me. I can care less. The end game for me is that it's me, my son, and his son worshiping at an altar going after Jesus on a Father's Day when everyone else is barbecuing and everyone else is going to breakfast or whatever, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that.
Why? Because in the anointing, bondages begin to break. Number three, sets free captives of injustice, right? Sets liberty to those who are in prison and sets captives free. Oh, I love that verse. I've shared this before, but uh, the difference between a prisoner and a captive is a prisoner puts themselves in prison, right? I remember when my dad, my dad was in prison for a while and he would always say, like everyone would say, I didn't do it. And let's be real, you kind of did it. You know what I'm saying? Right, when, when, you, when you go to prison, normally you go to prison because of something you did. But when you're a captive, it's something that someone did to you. And I've known a lot of people that are in the same prison cells as other people, but it wasn't their fault. It was because of what other people have done to them. Can I tell you that Jesus can set you free even when it's not your fault? Jesus sets you free when it is your fault, and Jesus can set you free when it's not your fault. Why? Because it's who he is. I just imagine this picture as I read this passage of Jesus walking through a prison or walking through a jail, and he's got the keys, and he's just opening doors if you would let him. That's what the anointing does and the presence of God does. He begins to unlock things that you thought were locked in your life forever. He sets free. He sets free. Number four, manifests the reality of Jesus. Right? Talks about it in this... Quick little line, but it's so powerful. He says that I recovering of sight to the blind. And I think what we would do in our modern Western context, philosophically and ideologically, would believe that, oh yeah, that's metaphorical. That yeah, Jesus gives vision. Yeah, he gives perspective, which all those things are true. But that's an actual literal verse. Isaiah prophesied of a man that would come down, who would live as a Messiah, and that blind people would see for the first time in their life because of the power that's on that man. Jesus fulfills that, and today he still does that. When the anointing comes in your life, when the presence of God comes in your life, when the oil of the Holy Ghost comes in your life, physical manifestations of healing and miracles begin to break out. We believe that today. We believe that it's not just something that is an imagery or symbolic. No, no, no. We actually believe that Jesus heals the sick. We actually believe that demons have to go. We actually believe that cancer doesn't have authority. We actually believe that broken bones can be healed. We actually believe that anxiety began to break. We actually believe that depression has to go, that suicidal thoughts have to free, that under the anointing of God, things begin to break. The physical manifestation of the reality of Jesus, what do I mean? Heaven becoming real in your life and my life and our life today happens today. Why? Because it is under the anointing, not the gifting of man, not good preaching, not good song lyrics, not good musicianship, not good helpful people. No, no, no. But it's under the presence and power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost that physical manifestations of healing and miracles begin to break out in your life and in my life. They aren't just for that time. They didn't stop in 50 AD. We believe that it's still happening today. I believe that in Sunday mornings like this, where we invite the presence of God, miracles can break out. I believe at Target, miracles can break out. I believe at Walmart, miracles can break out. I believe at your home and your kid's school, miracles can break out. Why? Because when the anointing shows up, it's a byproduct of the anointing being in the room. So the goal is not miracles. The goal is the anointed one. And when I spend time with him, a byproduct is the physical manifestation of Jesus. Number five, transforms the individual. I want you to understand this, especially for those that maybe heard teachings or preaching about the anointing and this whole idea of oil. Jesus does not anoint things. He anoints people. Uh, It's a very Catholic tradition to anoint things. 
And, and I, I understand the motive of it is like, well, I just want to be safe. I want to be protected. I want God to cover me. But God doesn't anoint objects. Objects have no authority. Objects have no power. People who are anointed by the Holy Spirit do. Messages, like, like let, let's just use church context. I'm, I'm a preacher, so I'm going to use my, my context. Messages aren't anointed. People are. The messenger's anointed. The man of God, the woman of God's anointed. Right? So, like, the stuff you do is anointed because you're anointed. And the anointing matters just as much on a stage on a Sunday as it does at a baseball game with your kids. Or at a school play for your kids. Or at a Thanksgiving with your family. When you have the anointing of God on your life, it begins to transform you from the inside out. Why? Because when you're anointed, you can't be the same that you used to be. Right? I think of the picture of Mary anointing Jesus with oil before he dies. Right? Everybody knows the Mary Martha story. We had a lot of preachers talk about it last year. And it's this whole concept of Mary having a jar of oil, pouring it on Jesus before his death. You have a similar moment that happens in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel where David, who is Jesus' great, 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 great grandfather, is anointed as king of Israel before he was ever king. Symbolic of Jesus being king on the earth before he ever died on the cross. It's a full circle moment through the messianic line of who Jesus is. And Jesus is anointed by Mary. And, and you know, that's, that's crazy. He's anointed by Mary, who's a nobody. But to Jesus, she was everybody because she loved him. And he, she anoints him. He's covered in oil. You know, he smelled like that on the cross. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like you know, beaten and bruised and, and, and bloodied, right? He's on a cross. And, and right, he's spit at and mocked at. But you know what he smelled like on the cross? He didn't smell like the death that was around him. He smelled like the oil that Mary poured on him. Because oil differentiates you. He didn't smell the same as the other two did on the crosses next to him. I, I, I watched a video the other day where they asked 100 individuals, friends, 100 individuals who are Christian, their friends in their workplace, if they're any different than their friends who are Christian, and 94% of them said no. That there was nothing different between the Christian and the person who's not. Family, we need the anointing because the world needs to know we're different. And if the world can't tell we're different, then maybe we're lacking the anointing. If we're only Christian in speech and not Christian in manner and integrity and authority, what are we doing? Jesus has given us more than just to feel good on a Sunday and to make us feel better about our Christian life, but it's not really transforming and changing things. There needs to be something that looks different. There need, you should smell different. You should act different. You should think different. You should respond different. I get it. You're not going to be perfect. You're still human, but you're an anointed human, and you're not anointed because you're special and you hang around a pastor. No, no, no. You're anointed because you've been hanging around a person named the Holy Ghost, and when you happen to hang around with the Holy Ghost, you begin to become like him, and you begin to look like him, and you begin to act like him. It differentiates us. We are marked, right? It's God painting on the canvas of our hearts. A different picture than what everyone else painted on you. You might have had a father who painted lies and deceit and wrongdoing, but when you get anointed by the Holy Ghost, the canvas looks different and the painting looks different. And no longer are you the painting that you used to be, but you're different compared to everyone else. There should be something. There should be. Because the anointing on your life the anointing on my life 
I want there to be. And I get it, not everyone's gonna pick up on it. I'm not making it a massive pressure. Like you just gotta be the super duper Christian. Like I'm not saying that, but there should come a moment when it's you and your coworker and you're both up for the job and you're not freaking out and they are. It's because there's something different about you. Because you understand that your provider is not the job. Your provider comes from Jesus and they're freaking out, wondering what's going on. And you're like, it's fine because God's got me. I know if this door closes, there's another one that's about to open. And there's like, man, what is different? You, you're responding. You're not cussing. You're not swearing. You're not acting funny. I, I've gone through the same problems you've gone through and I would never respond how you respond. And you'd be like, because I got a friend named the Holy Ghost. I got someone who's with me always. I know he's got me. And they begin to experience the anointing through your life. Differentiates us. But family, you got to get anointed. And you can't get anointed unless you spend time with Him. Lastly, it exchanges our burdens with God's burden. Most of the time, when the Holy Spirit comes in a room, in the symbolic kind of gesture of oil, and this is just how it happens for me is I just begin to feel, I don't know if you ever felt this, but the heaviness of God in the room. Or it happened earlier this morning. Worship was going. They were singing something. It was off the hook. I don't know what's happening. I start feeling this heaviness. And I'm like, okay, something, I think something's going down. And I look and Pastor Matt's on the floor. I'm like, okay, something's going down. You ever see someone on the floor? You ever, you ever see people fall out in the spirit? That's the oil of God. It's the heaviness of God. It's not just over super uh, emotionalism. Sometimes it can be, don't get me wrong. There's some people who are like a little over the top and they're weird, let's be real. But I've, 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 I've been in the moment. I remember just times in my life out in the presence of God for three hours, couldn't get up, couldn't move because of the heaviness and the weight of God in the room. And some people, you might not ever feel him like that. That's okay. I'm just gonna talk about it all because you probably felt him in some way or some form. So we're gonna have a holistic view of what this is. When the heaviness and the weight of God comes in the room, this is what begins to happen. He begins to exchange your heaviness with his heaviness. The Bible says that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. A yoke in the Old Testament was what they put on cows and oxen to do the work. The problem is, is you have put your yoke on instead of God's yoke. And your yoke is so much more stressful than God's yoke. And I feel this, especially for the dads in the room, you carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. You feel like everything's on you, finances, pressure, all of the stuff to be perfect. And can I tell you right now, you don't have to be. You can let that yoke go and give it to Jesus. Some of us are carrying the yoke of shame. Some of us are carrying a yoke of, and, and yoke, you understand what I'm saying by a yoke? It's like a, it's like a brace that you put on a cow or you put on something. And it's like, we're feeling like that. We walk into church like we're carrying a ton of bricks. We walk into small group. We walk into our job. We, we get home from working from, some of you work from like 6 a.m. to like 6 p.m. And there's a commute. I don't know how you do it. And it's heavy. And it feels like you're not going to make it. And it's the weight of the world. It cannot tell you that God can break that pressure and heaviness. I know work is hard, but there's a difference in perspective and power when the weight of God begins to come on your life and you no longer feel like you're carrying this thing on your own. You no longer feel like you're by yourself. You no longer feel like you're the only one. And you know what the anointing does? He begins to break that. He begins to break that pressure. And you know when it's hard and then you start throwing sin on top of it and you start throwing addiction on top of it and you start throwing shame on top of it and you start throwing insecurity on top of it and you start throwing all these things and God's like, let me help you. Let me take your heaviness and give you mine.
So God doesn't let you just not have any heaviness. This is what I've learned. God will give you his heaviness, a heart for people, a passion for his church, will call you to serve when you don't want to, will call you to love when you're not supposed to, will call you to do the hard thing when you don't want to do the hard thing, but I'd rather be under that weight than the weight of the world. And that's what happens when, when the anointing comes and the presence of God, and all the heaviness begins to break because the oil came. He's anointing me. Family, some of you in this room, you need to encounter the Holy Ghost that's like oil. You need to encounter the Holy Ghost that's like oil. You need the oil of God in your life. I need the oil of God in my life. Constantly. This isn't like a one time, I'm just gonna get a little bit of oil. No, constantly. I ask this for, for me specifically. Jesus, anoint me. Not so I can be special, but for others. Right? I don't wanna just be a self-help TED Talk preacher. That's not what I'm calling, that's, that's not what we're doing here. If you want a TED Talk, you can go on YouTube. They're awesome. If you want some self-help stuff, there's plenty of it on television. I want the transformation power of the gospel to change people's lives. I want the same thing that saved me to save my friends. I want the same thing that changed my life to change a city. I want the same healing you healed that marriage I saw to heal that next marriage. I want that same generational blessing like the Cook family had to be on my life as well. I want to hear you. I want to know you. I want to sense you. I want to know who you are. I want to know your will. I want to know your plan. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to have a real relationship with you. I do not want my spirituality to be just something that I do on the side. God, I want you really in my life. I need the oil of the Holy Ghost. I need the anointed one. I need the presence of God to invade me. And I need the burden of everything that I've put on myself that I shouldn't have put on myself to begin to break under that anointing. The shame and the guilt and the lies and the sin. I need that anointing, that presence, and we need to get back to it, family. We can't just think it's an old school revival thing. We can't just think it's for the super spiritual people. No. We have to believe that in the anointing of God is the power of God. And in the anointing of the Holy Spirit is the power of the Holy Spirit. And oil comes when He comes. And He comes where He's wanted. He comes where He's wanted. And so family, stand to me your feet. Come on, stand with me. Stand your feet with me. Come on. Let you go. But just uh, for a few minutes, close your eyes. I know you got plans. I want you to go to your plans. You're all good. But can we just take a minute? Can we make sure to dim the lights down? And can we be honest with ourselves and ask, do you need oil? Come on, maybe there's something specifically you need oil for. You're like, God, I need oil for this. I need oil to break the sin off my life. I need oil to break the shame off my life. I need oil to break these generational things. I need oil to transform me from the inside out. I, I need oil. I need oil to let this burden off my life, this unnecessarily heavy burden that's not from God. I need the oil. I want you to know that you can come and get oil. Not just because we're at church, but you can get oil every day because you can invite the Holy Spirit. You can talk to the one who smeared Jesus on earth and he would smear you too man he would anoint you so if that's you just lift up your hand for me if any of you are like yep I need oil in my life come on anybody 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 so good so good so good 
I'm going to do this real quick. I'm, I'm going to ask you, if you raise your hand and you're like, you know what, I, I need this. There's something God's responding to in this message. I, I need this. I need to take this moment seriously. If that's you, I just want to invite you to the front. That's all. That's all. I want to invite you to come up to the front with me. And all it is, is I'm just going to, it's just a moment to take it serious. It's not like the up front is more special than out there. But it's a step of action saying, yep, yep, Pastor Chris, that, that, yep, I need that. Keep coming. Just find a spot anywhere, anywhere. And we're not going to make it weird and it's not going to get all, we're not going to do none of that. It's just, I feel like there's something significant about taking this moment serious. Come on, come front. You can come in the middle. Come on, there's plenty of room, plenty of room, plenty of room, plenty of room, plenty of room. Plenty of room, plenty of room. Come on, come on, come on. Scoot up a little more. Scoot in a little bit this way. Come on, yeah, good, 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 good. Come on, yeah, good, good. Come on, I love it, I love it, I love it. Anybody else? Come on, there's plenty of space. It's just you stepping out, that's all. It's you just saying, you know what, Jesus? Yeah, oh yeah, I need that. I, I, I need to take this serious. I, I, need, I need some things to break. I need God to begin to move on some things. And so I'm going to take this moment serious. I'm not just going to wait in my seat. I'm going to, I, I, I want to show you, Jesus, that this word's really responding in my heart. Good. And so if you're up here, close your eyes. Everybody in the room, just close your eyes. Lift up your hands. And I what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. Pastors, if you want to uh, pray just a little bit, that's fine. Nothing crazy. We're just going to keep the music how it's going. So it's not a big old hype moment. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to just go down and I'm going to pray. And it's not like you're getting oil from me. But what I'm going to believe for is that God will begin to stir it in your heart. I can't give you oil, but I can pray that God gives you passion. And God gives you a desire. And God begins to stir something on the inside of you. And that the presence of God will begin to break anything that's keeping you from getting that oil. And so we just want to do this for a few minutes. And we're going to sing this out. We're just going to pray. And let's believe that in the next few minutes, family, if you're out there, just keep your hands up. And uh, just, just let's, let's, let's just lift up our hands together all across the room and ask Holy Spirit, the anointed one, to begin to walk through. Begin to walk through. Jesus, the anointed one, to begin to walk through this room and begin to bring freedom and healing and breakthrough in Jesus' name. Father, we ask you right now that you would come with the power and the presence of God and you would begin to break anything that needs to be broken. Father, we pray that you would release the oil of God, the anointing of God, that you would begin to speak to my friends. Raven, right now, as the tears begin to flow, as the weight of God begins to come in the room, as God, the heaviness begins to lift. That's it. Let it go. You don't got to carry it no more. Let it go. Jesus, right now, that you would do it. For the next few minutes, as we just focus on you, as we focus on you, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just begin to sing out. Let's begin to just go after God just for a few minutes before you leave. And let's just believe in these moments that God is bringing real transformation and healing. In Jesus' name, come on.
right now. Man, he's in the room. For some of you in the room right now, they're experiencing just, just let them. I pray you would increase, Holy Spirit. Let the tears flow. If you can't stand, you can go to your knees. Let, let, just, you don't got to carry it back home, what you brought in. God, we can break some things right now. For some of you, you're like, what's going on? This is, this is what it is, the anointing of God. He shows up where he's wanted. He comes where people want him. God, I pray that the oil would begin to be released. I pray you, Jesus, would begin to smear us right now. close their eyes one more time this one's a little sensitive I just feel there's a grace in the room right now for the Holy Spirit just just kind of share with me that that third point about injustice setting captives free someone who threw you in the cage someone who hurt you and and you have let that hurt control your actions your thoughts your motives your mentality you have let the abuse of the abuser dictate your life and I feel like God's saying no more I feel like God's saying there's freedom today for you I don't know if they hurt you physically I don't know if they hurt you mentally verbally sexually I think there's a couple people in the room with that and 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 you're just still carrying it some of you could have gotten freed from it and you're good but for some of you in the room you're carrying this and you're carrying this and you're carrying this and you have not begun to let jesus to let it go and i feel like there's a grace to begin to break that in the room right now and so if that's you if that's any of you that are like you know what yep that's me and and i want god to begin to release me from that and he can i just want you to nobody looking around because this is super sensitive just put your hand on your heart whether you're in front or whether you're in your seat and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pray and you might cry you might fall you might not feel anything that's fine but we would believe that in power god would begin to heal from the inside out all the pain would begin to have purpose instead of it feel like pressure and that jesus would do a deep thing in your life the same way he did with mine he can do it in yours as a holy spirit we thank you right now we say to the person done wrong the injustice that they experienced number one we say we declare that that was not of you Jesus God that was not of you that was not of you that was not you who did it so that lie that the enemy keeps telling them in their mind that God wanted this to happen and God did this to you we say it's a lie and we say that it's gone in Jesus name Secondly, the lie that says Jesus wasn't there. Listen, people do evil things and I don't understand why. But just because people hurt you doesn't mean that God left you. And that he was there and he's there today. And why he's highlighting it is because he no longer wants you to deal with the wound that is open, that is eating you up from the inside out. And so Father, I pray that your presence and your oil, you know what the oil does? It covers wounds. In the Old Testament, they would put oil on open wounds to help the wound heal. Right now, let the oil of God begin to get smeared on that wound right now. I pray, Psalm 23, that you would anoint them with oil. 
He anoints my head with oil, meaning he covers me when I'm broken. He covers me in my hurt. He covers me in my pain. God, that you would cover it and you would redeem it right now in Jesus' name. We declare the power of the restoration of the gospel. And number three, that you would remind them they are not their pain, but they are a son and daughter in Jesus. They are not their brokenness. They are not their past. Right now, all across the room, I feel it. I just, I know we got to go, but man, there is something so heavy, so profound happening right now. So let it go. I know your dad left you, but you don't got to carry that anymore. Let it go. I know that person hurt you. I know they hurt you bad. It's okay. They don't have any authority on your life anymore. They're not here. Let it go. You are not a victim anymore. Jesus. That you would move. She would move. We love you. Come on, let's sing Yeshua one more time. I just feel as we sing the name of Jesus, it begins to bring something in the room. Let's sing Yeshua just a couple more times. As a family, come on, let's do it. Let's glorify Jesus. Let's just sing out. It's good for the soul. Yes. We invite you, Jesus. We invite you into our life. Anoint us. Yes. Jesus, teach us to go after you. I pray that whatever happened in this room today, you would continue the work tomorrow and that we are so excited for what you're doing in our lives. So we pray that you would just do all that you want to do with us. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, let's just give it up for what God did in the room, family. Powerful stuff today. Powerful. Come on, listen, just before you go, fill out that connect card. We love to have you be part of our church. We love to have you get connected here or we'll help you find another church in the area because we're on the same team. Sound good? All right, love you all. Have a great Father's Day. We'll see you next Sunday. Invite a friend. Have an amazing day. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.